What's up, Buffalonians? It's your boy, Nick English. If you want the facts, the stats, and all the sports info in the 716, you have come to the right place. This is English Encore, Buffalo's favorite sports channel. I'm your host, Nick English. Glad you appreciate everyone for tuning in for today's episode. Appreciate everyone that entered my giveaway on Instagram. If you don't follow me, please give me a follow at English Encore Podcast. The Buffalo Bills, sorry, the Prime Time Bills. Was that a signature win last night on Sunday Night Football? Because from the media's perspective, the Bills still haven't had a signature win yet. Even though 7 out of our 10 wins are against 500 teams or better that are in the playoffs or in the playoff hunt. So, I'm not sure if it was a signature win, but the Bills are 10-3. and three. They've won back-to-back primetime games for the first time in a long time. Um, they danced on the Pittsburgh Steelers' face last night after Juju Smith-Schuster made a very nice TikTok of himself dancing on the Bills logo and Steelers fans put Steelers gear on a statue of Ralph Wilson outside of our stadium. So that was cool. But as usual, the Bills get the last left. We defeat the Steelers 26-15. to We have a legitimate shot at getting all the way up to the number two seed the way the Steelers have been playing. And if the Browns defeat the Ravens tonight, the Bills clinch a playoff berth. And if they beat the Broncos, on Saturday this week, they will clinch the AFC East. But the Bills have been rolling as of late. It seems like the Hale Murray um, really has motivated this team. So many positive things to take away from this game. Um, the Bills didn't cower in the moment. I think a lot of fans, based on the past few years and just the past 10, 15 years in general, when it comes to primetime games, You get really nervous because the Bills really haven't performed them best. And just based on earlier in the season, the way they played against Kansas City and the way they played against the Titans, I know the Titans wasn't technically a primetime game because of the scheduling conflict. It seemed like one, but they just really didn't play very well. Then they come out against the 49ers. Josh Allen was incredible. One another AFC Offensive Player of the Week. Third time this year in only Bills player to ever do that. Um, The defense continues and continues to improve. Um, It's just night and day from the beginning of the season. Matt Milano is back. The Bills are undefeated when he plays. You can see the impact that he brings. Um, Just such a fun team to watch. I haven't had this much fun watching football in a long time. Um, The Defense really changed the game, though, with the pick six because the Bills' offense up until that point really couldn't get anything going. I don't know if it was a little bit of the weather, if they were coming off a little bit of too much of a hype off how they played against the 49ers, um, or if they were just starting slow and they were having trouble against a very good Pittsburgh Steelers defense despite their injuries. Um, One point I do want to quickly talk about that I think really changed the game for the Bills' offense that I don't think a lot of people truly think about is the Stephon Diggs, I believe it was his first or second catch of the game, where it was almost a quick slant and is actually kind of a death ball throw by Josh. 
but Diggs catches it. Minka Fitzpatrick pounds him, and Diggs kind of just bounces right off him and runs up the field for another 25-30 yard gain. Up until that point, the Bills' offense really had zero going for them, and that play really changed the game because the Bills were able to go down, you know, at least get in that field goal range, put more points on the board. Um, the defense really changed the game just from the perspective of that pick assist, changing the momentum. The Bills somehow went into halftime winning the game, which I don't think a lot of people expected, just the way Pittsburgh, I think, kind of dominated the game. Um, front to back outside of that pick six um, in the first half at least. But shout out to Brandon Bean because he was getting criticized in the offseason for going out and making the trade for Stephon Diggs. I don't think it was about, you know, going and getting Diggs because everyone knew Diggs was a great player. It was bringing in a player that was said to be a diva into a culture that the Bills were building up. Everyone said that we gave up way too much um, to get him when in reality the Vikings really only have two players out of potential four because two of the picks we gave them ended up either cutting or trading away those players and obviously Justin Jefferson's having an unreal year with Minnesota it's basically a win-win trade for both teams and I was talking about it many times on this podcast if the Bills were to have kept that pick Justin Jefferson was the wide receiver I wanted because I knew A.C.D. Lamb was not going to be there or Jerry Judy. Why Jalen Rieger went before, um, you know, Justin Jefferson is beyond me. Um, other people wanted T. Higgins as well. I was very high on Justin Jefferson. Also, you have to take into account, it is his first year. I know he's having an unreal year and he's setting all these records and his name is up there with Randy Moss and whatnot. But Stephon Diggs is doing the exact same thing for the Buffalo Bills. He's one catch away now from breaking Eric Mould's record for the most receptions in a single season. You know, he just set his own personal record for receiving yards. He just opens up the offense so much more. Cole Beasley has the most yards in his career. Part of that is because the attention Stephon Diggs draws. And you're seeing the offense click like this without John Brown for the past two weeks. Gabriel Davis has done an excellent job stepping in, um, but Diggs, 10 receptions, 130 yards, one touchdown. Brian Dable did an excellent job in the second half, making a concerted effort to get Stephon Diggs the ball, get Josh in rhythm, and really get this offense going. The Bills are a scary team, and it's time for people to start taking notice. Yes, they lost to Tennessee earlier in the year. Yes, they didn't play very well against Kansas City. But this is a team that's getting hot at the right time. And right now, to me, is the second best team in the AFC and is really the number one contender to challenge the Kansas City Chiefs. There are a lot of other good teams in the AFC that the Bills would have to beat and be prepared for um, that to give them tough games. But the Bills, if they can continue to play the way they have been playing, um, I just have a tough time believing there's teams outside Kansas City that can believe them. Josh Allen was awesome in the second half yesterday. Didn't play very good in the first half. He came out, set the tone, started the second half 8 of 8 for 100-something yards and two touchdowns. The throw he made to Gabriel Davis was one that a few quarterbacks really have the moxie of making in the NFL. He did an unbelievable job of making that safety come down when he looked off Cole Beasley and hit Gabriel Davis right in the back left corner of the end zone. Just an incredible play by him. 
third quarter offense and just third quarters in general have been scary for the Bills all year. We've been getting killed in the third quarter. The past two weeks, the Bills in the third quarter have been flawless. They've come out. They haven't, you know, let the emotions get the best of them, even though they had a small lead or they just had big lead in general like they did in the 49ers game. They didn't come out and settle. They came out in attack mode, which I loved. And, you know, the tackle Williams yesterday for the Bills deserves player of the game to me. The things he was able to do against TJ Watt was unreal. Obviously, Stephon Diggs, Teron Johnson had, you know, big games. You know, Jordan Poyer, I thought, an excellent game. But Daryl Williams did an amazing job for the Bills on the offensive line. So big credit to him. The only few things I would say that were bad for the Bills, obviously they started a little bit slow on offense, so that's something that you don't want to do against better teams. Um, Levi Wallace, Dawson Knox, um, something's just got to change. Dawson Knox needs to either be inactive or not start. Tyler Croft has to get back in the lineup. For every one good play Dawson Knox makes, he makes seven other terrible ones. He fumbles the ball. He's dropping passes. He's taking penalties. He's just not good. I really had a lot of expectations, as many Bills fans did, for him coming into the year. He just hasn't been there. It's something the Bills definitely need to address in the offseason. The Bills really need him or Croft to step up because they're going to need another playmaker when it comes playoff time. Levi Wallace is very tough to read because he makes a bunch of good plays in the game, but then he's just getting torched. Like the touchdown against James Washington, he was a toaster. He got spun in a circle and looked terrible. They are targeting him all night. They are targeting him against the 49ers last week. Um, You know, Josh Norman, I thought, played decent for the little time that he was in. I really am big that Dane Jackson should have a chance to win that job on the other side because he was playing well when he was in there and made a few starts for them. And then Josh just has to do a little bit better of a job with the turnovers. He did drop, or he did fumble the ball once, but he did recover it. Um, just a little bit better ball security. And then the interception, it's tough because his arm did get hit on the throw, so I don't want to completely blame on Josh, but I wasn't really sure who he's throwing to. I wasn't sure if he was going under to Gabe Davis or to Beasley down the sideline. Um, he just looked a little sporadic and threw some 50-50 balls in the first half, which... Sometimes I'm okay with. It really depends on the personnel and the play and what point in the game. And honestly, the biggest loss for the Bills for me in this game is just no fans, man. For as great of a season as the Bills are having, it just really sucks that Bills Mafia can't be there. Um, I'm really hoping come playoff time, either the vaccine's out or we can work out something with Governor Cuomo and all the other people in the government in New York. Because all these Bills fans have been waiting so long to cheer for a good team and it's just so hard watching these games being played and how electric this place would be with a little bit of snow coming down. You know, the Bills are 10-3 and three right there at the top of the AFC. Um, so that's the biggest loss, honestly, for the Bills. But big few games coming up. You know, Denver played really well against the Panthers this week. It's always very tough going up to Denver um, just with the altitude and everything. So we will see. Um, John Brown, we're not sure if he's going to play or not. Uh, he could potentially come um, off the IR, but there was a report that they might hold him out another week today. So we will see with that. Mitch Morse, a little bit of a concern. He's kind of been getting banged up over these last few weeks. Um, obviously, they don't have Cody Ford for the rest of the season. He's been out for a while now. But Dodson coming back, I think, is another key piece of defense. 
I think if the Bills can really get that number two corner figured out and get a little bit more consistent pass rush, they're going to be in great shape. And the way the Steelers have been playing, they still have to play a few other tough divisional games. This is another a team that could lose another game or two. And if the Bills can win out and go 13-3, and three, they definitely could get that number two seed. There is a scenario where if Kansas City, Buffalo, and Pittsburgh are all 13-3, and three, the Bills would actually get the number one seed. I just don't foresee Kansas City losing um, two more games. I just don't see it at all. But if the Bills could get the number two seed and play a six or seven team, I think that's a really good chance for them to make a deep playoff run. Really excited about this team. Hopefully they can keep this momentum going. And once again, credit to Brandon Bean for building this roster top to bottom, um, basically from scratch. And just credit the whole coaching staff and the players for buying in. Um, you know, they kind of use that juju dancing on the logo and the other little stuff as motivation. They're a team that wants to go in, handle their business. And, you know, McDermott's been preaching humble and hungry. This is a team that understands who they are. They're not going to go out and get cocky. They understand it's one week at a time, and I just love this team. Um, and then moving on for the last topic for today's podcast um, is going to be the Buffalo Sabres. So ne- we kind of discussed this a few episodes ago about the rumor potential new division. Now the NHL kind of has everything set. Players are starting to go back you know, to their cities now. We I saw today both Rasmus Asplund, Rasmus Dahlin, and Artur Rustalainen are all heading over um, to Buffalo for the start of training camp now. So the NHL is going to be a 54-game season starting January 13th. We're going to be having new divisions, as we kind of already expected. The big change from the last time it was rumored for divisions is that the Penguins are going to be in the Sabres division and not the Carolina Hurricanes, which I actually think is more beneficial for Buffalo. So the way it seems like it's going to work, they haven't completely announced the details with the schedule yet. Based on the fact that the Canadian teams are only going to be able to play each other um, because of the whole board situation, unless they play a bunch of games and then come to the U.S. or vice versa, um, I just think it's very hard to just not only play divisional games. So just looking at that right now, basically what they're playoff idea is going to be is that the top four teams in these new divisions will make the playoffs so it the tough part for the Sabres is you still have the Bruins in your division so you're not going to beat them out but you know a lot of these other teams are definitely considered better than the Sabres but I kind of went through each one looked over how they played against them last year so they went one and one against the Rangers last year 0-2 0-2 first to Flyers, 1-1 versus the Capitals, 0-3 first the Bruins, 0-2 first the Islanders, 2-0 first the Devils, and 2-1 first the Penguins. Each of these teams kind of outside of Boston has a little bit of something that could make them take a step back. Buffalo obviously did a lot of nice things in the offseason, but like I've said before, Linus Olmark is going to be a huge part of if the Sabres going to be able to be good. And Omar kind of fits into that narrative for this new division in general because you have the Rangers, the Capitals, and the Islanders pretty much all relying on young goaltending or inexperienced goaltenders to really get them into the playoffs. You're looking at the Rangers. They're relying on a ton of young talent to come through for them. Alex Lafreniere, who they drafted number one overall this year, last year's number two pick, Kako Kako, and then Igor Shoskirkin, 
Um, their up-and-coming good goalie who played very well for them last year, hence why they made the decision to move on from Henrik Lundqvist. But he's going to have to play a lot of games this year, and it's going to be interesting to see if he's going to be able to hold his own through the whole season. You look at the Penguins, they're an aging team. They decided to move on from Matt Murray, sent him to the Senators. They have Tristan Jari, which I do think was the correct move. However, if for some reason Tristan Jari takes a step back, they don't have a good number two goaltender to rely on. They have uh, DeSmith for them, but he's not great either. The Sabres, in the few games that they did get to play against the Penguins last year, dominated them. I truly think that Buffalo has a legitimate chance to be better than them this year. Um, Malkin has had very much trouble um, staying healthy these past three years. He He's not been playing a ton of games. Crosby's getting older. He still has some injury issues. Chris Letang, you never know. Jake Gensel's coming off of an injury. Um, so I think the Sabres could actually jump the Penguins. The Bruins, you just got to hope and pray that you can snake some games from them because they're just so good. Devils, I think, are the consensus worst team in this division. They have some good young talent. They just hired Lindy Ruff, former Sabres head coach. Um, their goaltending and defense isn't great, um, so I think the Sabres could take advantage of that. Capitals, let Brayden Holpe go. Uh, they like Ilya Samsonov. He went 16-6-2 last year. I think he's got very good potential. Um, him and Carter Hart for the Flyers, which I'll talk about in a minute, um, obviously are some of the best young goaltenders in the NHL. But Samsonov, that was his first year, and he only played, you know, 24 games. He's going to be a guy that they rely on a lot. They did bring in Henrik Lundqvist to be a backup, but he's really not going to get a ton of games, I don't think, just because of age and how poorly he's played over the past few seasons. So this could be an opportunity for Buffalo if he doesn't play very well. The Capitals are another team, a lot of older players, even though Ovechkin never seems to be slowing down. Guys like Backstrom, Oshie, maybe they take a step back. Philadelphia, it's really just relying on Carter Hart falling off. You know, he had a great home record last year, but he was terrible on the road. So I don't know, because of these new divisions, maybe that affects him or maybe it doesn't. Um, I truly think it won't. I think the Flyers are going to be a lock to make the playoffs. And then the Islanders, same sort of thing. Uh, Ilya Siskorkin, uh, no NHL experience. They're kind of just relying on him to come over and be a starter. They let Thomas Grice go. They do still have Ilya Brzgalov. Or excuse me, what am I saying? Semyon Varlamov, Ilya Grzgalov hasn't played in a long time. My apologies. Um, the Islanders is very solid defensively. One of the best, if not the best coach in the NHL in Barry Trotz. They're going to be a tough out. I think they do exactly what the Sabres wish they could do. Very physical, kind of opposite of what the Sabres play. So to me, just looking at these new or this new division, right off the bat, I think the Bruins, the Flyers, and the Islanders are legitimately better than the Sabres the Capitals I think are better but they're a team that maybe we could compete with for that fourth team despite belief I think the Sabres are better than the Rangers Um, and then it really comes down after that to the Devils and the Penguins I think the Sabres are head and toes above um, the Devils the Penguins is the biggest question mark I think the Sabres could beat them so if you can beat the Devils, the Penguins, and the Rangers, it's all going to come down to if you can beat one of those other teams. To me, the two locks would probably be the Bruins and the Flyers. So it's if you can, 
outplay the Capitals or the Islanders for that fourth and final spot in the division to make the playoffs. Can the Sabres do it? I really don't know. I want to believe that they can. I think they made a lot of good additions in the offseason, obviously acquiring Taylor Hall, bringing back Sam Reinhart, along with Victor Olofsson. I think Dylan Cousins being inserted into the lineup the way he's been playing um, with Canada is going to be a huge step for them for you know their back-end six. I like Tage Thompson. I think he could have a big year for them um, now that he's fully healthy. I think Eakin's a good, solid player to have just in your locker room. If Henry Okiaru and Rasmus Dahlin could continue to make that next step um, and be great defensively, um, I think the Sabres are going to be better in that category as well. Their bottom four defensemen do still concern me. But again, Linus Olmark's the biggest question mark. I'm still hoping they maybe do something with Carter Hutton because I don't trust him um, if he has to play 10 to 15 games, especially in a shortened season. If the Sabres can get off to a hot start like they have the past few years and maintain that instead of letting it drop off, I think there's a very good chance that they can make the playoffs. But um, it's still yet to be seen. As much as every Sabres fan wants to believe they can make it, um, it's really a wait and see because they've been proving us wrong time and time again. And until they prove us right, it's kind of a wait and see where the Bills have kind finally kind of given fans hope and it's no more you know panicking and thinking they're going to let you down. The Sabres pretty much have only let us down these past seven, eight years Um and this playoff drought has just been killing many fans. But at least if we do lose here, we're going to look cool doing it in royal blue and the white jerseys. Um, love those. But um, hopefully we can get it together. We'll have a lot more talking once training camp starts. Guys like Arthur Rusalina and Dylan Cousins, Casey Middlestat, all those guys will talk about where they could end up, whether it's with us or with Rochester. And we'll obviously talk some more Bills football as the season progresses. That's going to do it for today's episode. I will be back again on Friday. I'll actually be recording on Thursday to post on Friday because of my work schedule. I'll be talking about MLB free agency, some college football. Um, Maybe we'll talk some more NHL depending on the news, um, what else is going on as far as division games or if they're going to be playing everyone and whatnot. Um, Maybe we'll get into a little bit of NBA news now that preseason has officially started, but that's going to do it once again. Thank you all for tuning in. I greatly appreciate all of the sport. This has been an English Encore podcast, Buffalo's favorite sports channel.